Welcome to PSQH the Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talk to Gary Hamilton, CEO of IntelliChart, about the evolution of telehealth services. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Gary Hamilton, CEO of IntelliChart. Welcome to the show, Gary. Good morning. How are you? Good. Uh, before we kind of start talking about telehealth, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and IntelliChart. Sure. Um, I'm Gary Hamilton, CEO of IntelliChart. Uh, IntelliChart is a patient engagement organization that works with physician practices, hospitals, and uh, digital health vendors, EHR organizations, et cetera, uh, to facilitate their patient engagement needs. We've been around for a little over a decade. Um, and we've been really patient focused since about 2010. And our, you know, our, our primary mission is just facilitating improved patient engagement uh, to assist healthcare providers and yielding the patient outcomes that are desirable both for the patient and for the healthcare organizations. Excellent. Well, I wanted to talk to you today about telehealth and sort of uh, the state of the market. Um, you know, given how uh, the use of telehealth really exploded during the pandemic, um, how have caregivers used it in the last year or so? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it really exploded clearly during the pandemic, um, more from a necessity standpoint. And coming off the pandemic and really 2022 is, um, you know, is a year where where it's it's not necessarily um, a necessity like it was during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, however, it really hasn't seen material change in terms of use. Um, so, for instance, when when patients were forced to have a telehealth visit during 2020 and, and maybe early stages of 21, uh, 2022 was a year where organizations were still using this the same tech stack that they utilized during the pandemic, um, even if it wasn't yielding the most desirable workflows um, from a provider standpoint or certainly from a patient standpoint. Um, but I think 2022 was a period of just consideration on, you know, how could telehealth change in the future to be a more sustainable, desirable, you know, method to expand access for patients and fall into a more conducive workflow for providers. And I think that's really what um, what you saw during the pandemic was just a solution that was pushed out to market very quickly uh, to fill a need. And 2022, you've got a lot of organizations still using that same technology solution, even though it's not the most desirable. Um, but it gave them an opportunity to see a very high volume of patients via telehealth. It gave them an opportunity to see where they wanted to make improvements for workflow, gave them an opportunity to see how they could you know, make improvements for patients to make it more desirable for all parties. Uh, and how do you see telehealth services uh, being used in 2023 uh, across various medical specialties? I think it's going to be used um, in primarily based out of convenience, um, based out of 
uh, very specific visit types. So organizations can certainly uh, be more selective about the types of visits they want to really push through telehealth. Um, and from a patient perspective, it's it's just it's certainly convenient if you're working to be able to have a telehealth visit. So I think ideally they can cater to a patient's convenience and at the same time increase compliance, um, whether that compliance is with just, uh, you know, essentially ensuring that the patient shows for a visit or facilitates a particular referral. Um, but I think 2023 is really monetizing, you know, telehealth from a from a longitudinal standpoint. So it's not something that's that has the ability to receive compensation from an emergency standpoint like it was during a pandemic. Um, but be, being able to monetize it in a way that really accesses convenience for the patient. And, you know, as, as independent private pay payers show more traction towards reimbursement, I think that dynamic will start to steer, steer some of the decision-making as it goes from primary care to specialty care and seeing where it really works into the, the delivery model for specialty care and, and where they can confidently feel that they can deliver telehealth and still maintain a high level or standard of care, um, you know, even though it's void of certain, you know, objective capabilities that are possible in an in-person patient visit. Um, from the patient perspective, how, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, as you mentioned, it was sort of a necessity during the pandemic. How are patients viewing telehealth now? Do they see it as, uh, you know, something to do when, when they need to, but they'd rather go into the office or is it something that they'd rather do all the time? I think it varies. You know, I really, I, I, I really think it, it, it gravitates more towards convenience. Um, but it has to be convenient without a lot of hiccups or friction, right? So if, if convenience means I can do this conveniently, but I don't have to take 20 minutes downloading and setting up user accounts, and then I'm just like, well, the hell with it. I you know, I'd rather have an inpatient visit or in, in-person visit. Um, it, you know, it has to be something which is conducive and easy for the patient, um, but I really think it's going to come back to just if they can give the patient something that they can access, it's easy to use. Um, I, I think it'll be used. You know, it's it's it has to be driven towards a convenience standpoint. Otherwise, what's the motivation? You know, it's if if I can have something and it, it it's I can do it remotely and it's it's somewhat convenient, but my my payer doesn't pay for it, so I'm paying out of pocket. I don't know if that would discourage me from doing it. So it's, you know, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. Um, number one, it has to be covered by the payer. Number two, it has to be something that's easy. You know, if I can get a text message and click a link and start a visit, that's great. But if I've got to spend 20, 30 minutes setting up accounts and getting frustrated, that's not so great. Yeah, definitely. Um, why are more and more major insurance companies offering telehealth and virtual care coverage for their members? I think at the end of the day, it's a cost savings form. So if they can yield a level of care, if that level of care can show objectively that it doesn't take a repeat in-person visit, so it's almost like why we bother to 
you know, cover the, the remote visit anyways, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but I think, I think if you look at some of the, you know, data coming out of the last two years, um, it's very promising from the standpoint of not requiring repeat visits and that oftentimes the patient visit can be resolved with that telehealth visit. So I think that really substantiates and validates its worth. Um, and if the payer can pay less, and if the provider can give less time, and if the patient is satisfied and the objective and outcome is achieved, I think all parties win. So I think if that's if that if that clearly continues, um, certainly that'll motivate payers, whether it's you know private, state, fed, whatever. Um, what are some of I know you kind of mentioned some of them, but what what are some lessons learned uh, with telehealth from 2022 that you can sort of uh, use going forward? I think 2022 validated that it's something that patients want to continue, that telehealth wasn't only to facilitate patient care when in-person care just wasn't available. Clearly, patients have interest. Um, it makes sense, right? If If you've got a screaming child and it's late at night and, you know, Maybe there's an urgent care open, but realistically, your option is an ER. Um, you know, or alternatively, you can facilitate, you know, speaking to a provider um, and you know, mitigate the in-person visit. That's that just makes sense, right? And I think that its convenience, its accessibility, its cost savings are a lot of plans um, where telehealth is just included. You know, we offer actually for our employees a telehealth solution where there's no cost to the employee. And so, you know, that really varies amongst employers and the options that they give to employees or, or just in general, you know, even if it's you know, a self-insured patient, in general, that, that visit is going to be less expensive and, and oftentimes it'll be covered by the payer. But I think what 2022 really validated is that patients want to continue this effort. You know, they can certainly go anywhere in patient or in person now mm -hmm. um, but oftentimes they don't want to and if they can get the outcome that they're looking for um, if they're satisfied um, and objectively you can see that the clinical outcome is achieved as well i think that's you know very clear that that's going to be a, a an ongoing sustained solution what about from the the provider standpoint? What did they kind of uh, you know what have they kind of learned uh, from using telehealth these last few years? I think it's getting comfortable that they can maintain a standard of care that they want to maintain doing things remotely. You know, there's a lot that's lost, right? So I mean, you don't have all the objective findings that you've got on an in-person patient visit, right? So evaluation becomes potentially challenging. And, you know, the objective findings that come out of an in-person patient visit are pretty substantial, right? Whereas in the telehealth visit, much of that is aligned with, um, you know, the subject of patient interview. And there's certainly an evolution of remote tools that are becoming available. Uh, but which patients have those remote tools, which ones don't? You know, I think if that becomes more commonplace, more pervasive, where, you know, these... It, telehealth is just so common now that patients have these remote tools. Um, I think that will be um, a big win 
for, for all parties. But I think really what, from a provider's perspective, it's just, it's going, you know, walking the mile, seeing that they can deliver effective care, getting comfortable with the type of care that they can deliver, um, really refining the delivery for telehealth. And I think it really comes back to the type of patient visit, right? So, so dependent on the specialty, you know, versus primary care, what types of visits can be provided remotely um, and which ones can really be resolved without follow-up and which ones do require, you know, potential follow-up in person, et cetera. But I think they've gotten more comfortable with it. You know, thousands and thousands and thousands, millions, right, of patients being seen remotely over the last couple of years really forced the hand for providers. Um, and now I think it warrants um, continuing, but there are a lot of pieces, again, to that puzzle that are gonna have to be filled to warrant it, right? So continuing to provide telehealth, but yet not having payer participation, well, that's, you know, that won't be sustained then, right? Mm -hmm. So I think if, if the payers can continue to participate um, and the providers are certainly more comfortable today, I, I, I can't imagine that it's not gonna be sustained. Uh, you know, and the, obviously technology plays a huge role in this, but you know, we've had it for, a, you know, probably for several years now. Why did it take so long to adopt telehealth? I mean, I know it was kind of forced by the pandemic, but why, you know, why wasn't it, you know, kind of uh, incorporated earlier? Yeah, there are a lot of reasons for that. So, um, you know, you could start with the payers, right? So which payers are going to cover telehealth? and how variable is it, right? So, I mean, if you've got a payer dynamic across the practice, organization, health system, whatever, to go through the litany of, okay, which payers cover it, which ones don't, does Medicare cover it, does Medicare not, does Medicaid? I mean, so just to, to, to have to go through that exercise is challenging in and of itself. Um, but then you start going into provider workflows, right? And so which providers are going to see patients remotely, getting comfortable with it, you know, establishing that protocol, um, that's difficult too. And then you look at tech stacks and technologies and, okay, which vendors are providing telehealth? Do we align with this vendor? What's the integration look like? Is it gonna, you know, am I gonna have to use my EHR? Am I gonna have to use this telehealth solution? How am I gonna document the patient encounter? So, you know, there's a lot of, of components there that, you know, to, to really launch and launch effectively so that it's worth the provider's time the organization, the training, you know, being able to proficiently see a patient. You don't want a telehealth visit to take longer than an in-person visit, right? And so it's, right. it's not worth it at that point in time. So there's a lot of there's a lot of components there that make that effective. And then you've got the patient. Okay. How's the patient going to adopt? Is there a download? Is there a username and password? Is there yet another piece of technology we're going to force these patients to work through? So if you can remove those components, right, and if you can have the workflow very consistent with what the providers are currently doing today, and if it's just easy and intuitive, that's a big win, and you'll get the provider adoption. And then from the patient standpoint, if you can remove the friction and just make it simple yeah, and have a nice reminder come maybe a week before that says if it's something that's scheduled out, if it's more, you know, ad hoc or kind of a you know, on-demand visit, and if you just make it easy for the patient, click this link, get this text, done, you're in, and now you can see your provider. That's what's necessary, you know, 
consumers in general don't have a lot of tolerance for that sort of thing. And they've already kind of had to walk this mile with all their different portal accounts. And then they do this thing and fill out these forms, got to set up another account. I mean, that's, that's a lot of work for a patient. And if you want their adoption, if you want their repeated use, um, you've got to keep it simple. And how does that sort of translate for, you know, older patients and folks who maybe aren't, you know, tech literate or don't even have, you know, access to, uh, you know, I guess a, a regular computer or something like, you know, how is, how is that being addressed by uh, the industry? Yeah, that's tough. That's certainly challenging. So, I mean, if, if you've got an older demographic and if they've already gone to the extent of establishing, let's say certain accounts, say a patient portal, I think that's pretty universal. Most folks have a portal account. If they've got to do something now in addition to that to facilitate telehealth, it's probably not very likely, right? One of the advantages are as you as you sustain telehealth longitudinally and you start to have, you know, a, a baby boomer population that's more tech savvy, you know, throughout the, the course of time, you know, tech is just universal, right? It's pervasive. Everybody, you know, has a level of, of, of tech aptitude as those generations age out. And so it won't be an issue as much 10 years from now as it is today. Right. Um, but I think it, it's, if, if you go to that population, most folks can, can facilitate a text message, right? And so if you can keep it bare bones and simplistic, you're going to have the adoption. If it's complicated, a lot of downloads, apps, usernames, passwords, remembering the passwords. What a nightmare. You know, you're, you're never going to sustain that. So I, I think it's to, to embrace that older population. You've got to keep it simple. Um, they make phone calls. They receive text messages. If you can base it off that and keep it that simple, maybe an email, then that's great. And so simplicity and, you know, to foster adoption is key. And probably just ex explaining, you know, in a simple way, like you said, how to, how to use it, how to do it um, probably helps too, right? Yeah. And, and the less explaining, the better. Mm -hmm. you know, um, the necessity for less explaining anyways. Yeah. So how do you see telehealth evolving over the next decade? Um, I, you know, I think it's going to foster and cater more to the consumer um, convenience. I think it will become more commonplace for patients. Um, it's, I mean, if, if a person doesn't have to go and drive to a location, sit in a waiting room, be roomed, I mean, just the whole inconvenience with the patient visit, right? There's certain times where it's absolutely necessary and it's of course. But if it's if you have an option for a remote visit um, and you can feel good about it and uh, you know, catering to the consumer is key. Um, so catering to convenience, um, you know, and as patients become more comfortable with it, um, they'll start to demand it more, right? So if if they're going to an organization, let's say, you know, I'm out of Charlotte. So if I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I relocate to somewhere in Florida, um, and in Charlotte, I was, you know, for years, I've been 
seeing my providers via remote visit occasionally, I'm going to expect it and demand it. So if I go somewhere in Florida and then offering, I'm going to look for a provider that does offer it, right? Because that becomes yeah. something that, you know, I've gotten accustomed to and I want to continue. Um, so the convenience access is certainly key, but also you got to start looking at accessibility. Transportation is still an issue with patient visits, right? There, there are plenty of patients that don't fulfill their appointments because they just simply don't have the transportation to do so. So being able to to levy that and being able to, um, you know, give an opportunity for a patient to see their provider and not have to leave their home is pretty significant. Or if you've got, for instance, maybe um, an older patient and maybe they have, you know, a family member, a loved one, whatever, that's in a different state, but still following them and helping them track their health care. And if it's a remote visit, they could still participate in that, even though they're 500 miles away. Right. Right, right. So catering to that type of patient visit accessibility, you know, appointment fulfillment, um, I think that'll be significant. Well, Gary, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Sure. Appreciate the time. Thanks very much. All right. That wraps up episode 76 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks again, and stay safe.